Your Story with Melinda Estabrooks, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. Listen for new episodes every Monday and subscribe to the podcast at faithstrongtoday.com. Our stories have the power to connect us, to inspire us, and give us courage. On Your Story with Melinda, your story matters. Welcome back to another show on Your Story with Melinda. And you are going to love my guest who is in studio with me today. She's an author of over 30 books. One of them is this that we'll be talking about later on in the show, Worth Living, How God's Wild Love for You Makes You Worthy. She is a sought-after international speaker. She is a seasoned blogger. She was a church planner in France with her husband, Patrick, that she's been married to for 25 years. She has three adult children. But here's the thing about my guest. She's actually hilarious and funny, and she's probably one of the most authentic and real authors and speakers I've ever read or heard. But the thing that I love about her is this, that she says this, the most important thing about me is not my writing or my praying or my speaking or my mommying or even my othering. The most important thing about me is that I love Jesus. I flat out love him. And so you're going to get to hear her story. We're going to talk about this book, and I know that you're going to love my guest, Mary DeMuth. Welcome. Wow, that was like the best introduction ever. <laughs> Thank you so Welcome, much. Welcome, Mary, because really, like I read your book and I had tears and I was like, she gets me. And <laughs> I, I just felt a, a natural girlfriend bond. And I so appreciate that because I love authenticity about our own stories. Before we get into the book, I want to talk and listen to you as you share your story. And I love how you say this, that my testimony is of a restoried life. Mm -hmm. And story is my thing. I think you're a brilliant storyteller. And so let's start with you because your books are so honest and they share so much deep pain and hurt and restoration in your own life. But let's let's hear from you because I know that my listeners and viewers want to know who you are, the woman behind the stories and the books. So yeah, awesome. let's start with you. Yeah, so I grew up in uh, the Seattle area, mm -hmm. so near Vancouver, so I'm almost Canadian. And, uh, <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I'm so close. Yeah. And just grew up in a difficult environment, and so many people have stories like I do, so that's why I like to share it, because I yeah. think it disarms them, and they are able to see their own story in my story. But my mom and dad were married, and they were soon divorced, and there was a period of time in my life where I have no idea where I lived. I just don't have any idea. My mom then had me live at my grandparents' house. I didn't have any sort of memory of her during that year. I was about four years old. Mm -hmm. And then at five, we moved to a new place, and she met someone in a laundromat, um, which is probably not the best place <laughs> to meet somebody, you know, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of a hard person to get along with, and uh, just was probably one of the most difficult years of my life as a five-year-old. Mm -hmm. And during that year, I had kindergarten. I would come home to a babysitter, and that babysitter would open her door to these two teenage boys who then um, were probably new predators. And what I mean by that is normal sexual predators will groom a child before they do anything. But these two boys, they just took me out into the woods and they molested me. And this went on for months and months. Mm -hmm. And they would tell me things like, we're going to kill your family if you tell anybody. Or they would use a really bad word to describe what they were doing. And me being this little girl who wanted to be, you know, good and everything, I was so afraid of getting my mouth washed out with soap. 
So for a long time, I kept silent, just like they wanted me to do. And eventually, though, they started inviting their friends. And when that happened, and this evil babysitter kept letting me go, I finally got up this gumption to tell her what was going on. And I don't know why, you know, in retrospect, as I look back on it, I don't know why I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell my parents. Somehow I knew in my heart that they were not safe. And so I finally told the babysitter, and she said these five amazing words, I will tell your mom. And those five words devastated me because the next day those boys knocked on the door again. The babysitter let me go. And I thought in my mind, not one person on this earth gives a rip about me. And if I'm going to take care of myself, I'm going to have to do it myself. And you're five years old. Five years old. You know, I'm thinking, you know, thinking now, like when, when my daughters turn, I have two daughters. When they turned five, I freaked out because I realized how small I was. I was just a little, little, just a little girl. And so I learned my way of hope, you know, coping through all that was I learned how to sleep. So I would run home from kindergarten, grab my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, run into the bedroom and I would pull the covers over my head and I would sleep for five hours. And that was the only way I was able to save myself until we moved away and my mom married another person. And then during that time, my real father died uh, when I was 10 years old and he had been my hero Mm -hmm. and, you know, the one that I thought really loved me, even though he had his own issues. And so by the time I'm in the seventh and the eighth grade, I am thinking, I remember just looking down at the earth and looking at my little skinny feet. And I would think, why am I on this earth? What what am I here for? Yeah. Yeah. Except to be either neglected, which was happening, or abused. And after, you know, people who've been sexually abused, they relate to this. I felt like I had a come molest me sign across my forehead because predators kept finding me. And I just kept running. I was just running away from all these predators. So seventh and eighth grade, I'm thinking, I'm only here to be there, not thought of at all, overlooked, or abused and started writing suicide poetry and and just really messed up. My mom wasn't home very often and they were in the throes of a third divorce and so I lost another father and was just you so know So there's no stability. I mean none, I'm even none, from this point. No, go, but there was like nothing zero. that was foundational, stable for you in any way. And plus we moved all the time. All the time. So yeah. even like physically environmentally, emotionally, there's nothing for you. And especially as a girl, which all the emotions of a girl and our hormones and as we get a period and all, you know what I mean? Yes, all these all things where you stuff, need yes. some kind of stability and foundation. I'm hearing zero. Yeah. You have nothing. All I had was myself and I didn't know Jesus at all. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything about him other than, you know, he might've had something to do with Christmas. He was a swear word. I didn't know. And so I had no clue. And finally, by the ninth grade, I had a friend who invited me to Young Life um, and they uh, would throw things and do shaving cream and whatever. Yeah. But the last 15 minutes, they would talk about Jesus Christ. And I just remember my heart, just like I felt like it was going to leap outside of my chest every time I heard about Jesus. And I kept thinking, this is it. This is what really? I need. Yes. So you mean the name, the, the word, the way they presented the message like really hit your heart? Yeah, because they were just telling stories from the Gospels. Okay. And I kept watching this Jesus guy uh, like hanging out with people and like yes. dignifying people who are on the outcasts, you know, of yeah. society, the woman with the issue of blood, the woman caught in adultery. These yeah. are like people on the fringe. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was standing on the outside. I always felt different and I always felt like I didn't belong. And so here was Jesus welcoming these people and I fell in love with them. Yeah. 
And so I didn't know him quite yet, but I just had this wanting mm-hmm. to know him. And then by the time I was in the 10th grade at 15 years old, um, heard the whole gospel. And um, we talked about this a little bit before we started this, but mm-hmm. when those boys took me to violate me almost always under evergreen trees, and I would kind of, to protect myself, and I find out later this is a very normal thing for an abuse victim to do, but I would fly up to the tree limbs. I would kind of go there in my mind so that I wasn't a part of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so I had this very strong connotation of devaluation and pain was under trees. When I met Jesus, I heard the gospel. I went outside in this camp. It was at a weekend camp, and I sat under an evergreen tree, kind of the same place in, in a hemlock, you know, which a hemlock is a symbol of death, and the tree that Jesus died on, obviously a symbol yeah. of death. And I'm sitting against this hemlock, and I'm looking up into the stars, and I'm thinking, okay, if you will just be the daddy that will never leave me, I will follow you the rest of my life. And from that moment on, I mean, it's been an amazing transformation and an amazing journey. And I like to say when I speak, and then everything was perfect, and I never heard again, and everything was awesome. Amen. And not. That's it. <laughs> and not. Yeah. You know, I love it. It's just actually, the beginning. Yeah, it makes me teary, because when we were talking about it before the actual, this podcast, it's just beautiful God is in the detail of redemption, because mm. when I was reading in your book, this one here, The Worth Living, and I noticed that, you know, you were salted under the evergreen, mm-hmm. and then I'm reading further along, the, uh, along in the book, and it says, you then found Jesus, and you're you're crying under the evergreen. Mm-hmm. I'm like crying when assaulted, you know, inwardly, mm-hmm. and then crying in freedom and release for Jesus under the evergreen. And mm-hmm. I'm actually getting emotional because it's it's that's the part too that I love about Jesus. Yeah, and what I love about God's redemptive way because He can redeem all kinds of things, even in the smaller things. But it can be that kind of moment, and I think that's. I think, too, that's why I'm so attracted to Jesus, because I have felt on the outskirts. You know, mm-hmm. I was the prodigal daughter, and even in church, they always were like, oh, Melinda, <laughs> oh, the <God>. clubber, <laughs> and like the smoker, and that girl who's mm-hmm. sort of like on the fence, sort of the hypocrite one who's who's lukewarm, <laughs> mm-hmm. and always loved Jesus because he loved like the woman at the well and spent the time with her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the story of the woman caught in adultery. I mean, how a man to put his arm around her mm-hmm. when all these other men where he could have joined in to be part of the crowd yeah. who were condemning her stepped out and covered her. I'm like, okay, you know, if I can't get this, then, you know, who can I get and who can I, you know, follow who will really love me that way? So that's mm-hmm. powerful, Mary, because I think that's the part where when I'm, when people are asking me why Jesus, people who don't know him, I share his stories. Mm-hmm. Because there's mm-hmm. no other thing I feel that's more powerful than the way he interacted and loved loved women yes. and loved those that were marginalized. And if you can't get around that or you don't like that, then there's a, there's a problem <laughs> if, you know, if you can't see that kind of love. So that's yeah. beautiful. So you find Jesus. You're at Young Life. You, you, know, you say, okay, I'm going to start following this, this guy, this, this man, this God. What happens next? Because, again, you can't just all of a sudden get healed and all that pain yeah, and all the stuff that's yeah. happened is miraculously gone. And because that's not what, when you become to know Jesus, I, I am really big on that kind of sort of fallacy of like, everything's okay. Right. Because sometimes we have, I'll admit as, 
as the church and Christians, we've kind of like promised that to people to come into the fold yeah. or to the club. And it's like, no. It's like a bait and switch. It a is a bit. bait and switch. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, it's not. It's the realization who we follow, but it doesn't just change like that. So talk no. to me more about that. So you've made the decision. Then what happens as far as, as your life and your healing and all the, and the processing of everything that's happened to you? Yeah. So I did, uh, I mean, something fundamentally changed when I became a Christian. So my worth happened. You know, I, I finally knew I was worthy, but then I've been working the, out the worth all these years. Yeah. And I think the lion's share of my healing came in college where I just told my story over and over and over again. I often tell people an untold story never heals. So it's really important that we tell our stories because when we don't, we shove it down or we compartmentalize our pain and we and then we we duplicate what we never would wanted to do through our actions and we look at ourselves like, why am I doing or why are those words coming out of my mouth that sound like my mom or what? Oh, no. You know, yes, like, I know. <laughs> you can't take them back. It's so Shoot. stressful. Yeah. But you have to, when you have actions that you're bewildered by, you have to go back to the heart and ask the whys. And so, yes, four years of college, I just had these amazing friends who believed that Jesus would heal me and all of this heartache and pain and, you know, sexual abuse, all that was just there. And he did a lot of healing during that time. But then I was like, okay, I'm done with that and I will never have to heal again. And, but then I got married and that was really hard. And just, why was it hard? As a sexual abuse victim, yeah. you know, like suddenly sex is okay. Like you're supposed to have it in the Christian community. Like you're not supposed to have it, then you're supposed to have, have it. it. And it's like, duck, duck. And you're supposed yeah. to be like a hottie for Jesus. And if you. <laughs> and like on fire all the yeah. time and you're ready all the time. <laughs> but if you've been a victim, sex causes you to feel victimized again, even if it's the most amazing person ever. And so we had in our marriage, we had to work through that. And we didn't even have words for that because no one was talking about it during yeah. that time. And Imagine. we had to kind of bump into each other and kind of talk about it and say really hard things. And and I had to, you know, really want to heal for his sake so that we could, you know, be okay in that area. And then my children, like um, when they reached, like I said, when my girls, I have two girls and one boy, when my girls reached five, I started going to counseling because I realized I still wasn't quite there. And I had to say, okay, well, this little determination about my henceforth, we shall not be going there anymore, was uh, a fallacy, as you said. And I I had to keep healing, and I'm still healing. And I I think that's why we need, when we present the gospel to people and we talk about how amazing Jesus is, it's not that we're promising a panacea for their problems. They'll probably have more problems, but they have someone to walk alongside them, and they have a Savior who loves them. So that's kind of the difference, I would say, that he has made. You know, Mary, as you share your story, and you've written over 30 books, for some people, they're like, how in the world are you brave enough and courageous to actually write these things down. It's one thing to speak. So I speak and I can say about, you know, my own issues and about my own divorce and my own failings. Mm. And then it's out there, but it's sort of out there. Yeah, and it kind, kind of dissipates. It kind of dissipates. Yeah. It's like, boom. Da-da-da. It is not written in black Whereas and white. in this case, it's written down. So I can refer back on page 32, yes. Mary, you said, right? Like, really, it, it's, it's written down. It's super scary. <laughs> I know. It's so scary. Now I'm totally scaring you. are like, there will only be over 30 books. I'm done now. Linda, thank you. <laughs> Finished. <laughs> Finished. How did that happen? Because for some people, they would never even speak it, let alone write the honest truths about sexual abuse mm-hmm. or family issues mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. worthlessness or challenges in marriage and all these things. So what is it? What was the impetus? You know, what made you do it? Because I think you're extremely brave 
to have an authentic voice like you, it's amazing. How did yeah, this come about? Wow. I think a, a very simple, and it sounds very Jesus-y, but the simple reason was I really felt called to it. And I felt like to not do it would be disobedient. But the other thing I have found, and I haven't been like wildly successful in my, in my book writing career, but I have in volume, but uh, not necessarily sold a lot of books. And, but that's okay. And what I've learned that during the writing process of each book, I write both novels and nonfiction. Every single book that I've written has been an avenue that God has used to heal me. And so that authenticity comes because I'm interacting with God on the page. And I think God creates all of us in creative ways. And those ways in which he creates us are the ways in which we heal. And so this is just his way of having me work out some of these issues. And for me, it's natural for me to do it on the page. Mm -hmm. And I get to bring you along. And you get to hear all the crazy stories (laughs) as well. Do you get afraid, just as a woman, that you'll be judged and... People look at you like, oh my goodness, look at her. Look at what she's been through and look at how broken she is. Because there are moments where I get up to speak and I'm like, and get ready for the judgment, condemnation, Mm -hmm. what people are going to think of me. Mm -hmm. Because as a woman, you work very hard to present this. Yeah. Even when it's all ugly and broken here, you're very much like, and I'm on. Okay, everything's great, right? Here I am, right? <laughs> yeah. You work very hard. And as soon as you write, speak this out, you know that there will be either some backlash or people thinking. And sometimes that's really, honestly, not sometimes, but a lot of times that's hard. Even even for me, who's been speaking for a long time, it's still every time I get up, I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm ready. Right? I'm ready. I'm going to go. Yeah. Ready, set, go. Yeah. I think for me, it's especially hard because I live in the South. I am from Seattle, but I live in Dallas. And so there, talk about buttoned up church culture. Mm -hmm. I think it's changing and I'm really grateful for that. But I love, I think for me, it's actually the opposite of that. I love disarming people and not just to make them uncomfortable, but to give them permission to take the facade down. And so I've had the privilege of speaking around the world and God's just been so gracious to open those doors doors. And I've seen people set free on all sorts of continents. And oftentimes they will come to me and they will say, I thought I was the only one that dealt with this. Mm-hmm. And some, and the Lord said to me once when I was writing a book, I was worried about it because I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I should wait till everybody dies before I write this book because it's just <laughs> yeah. too much information. And it's, I'm trying to be tender with it, but too much. Mm-hmm. And he said, if everybody waited for someone to die for them to write their book, who would be the mentors right now. Like who would be able to be mentored by people if we're always afraid of our relatives who are going to yell at us or be mad at us. And so I had to kind of take one for the team in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it was a, it was part of my obedience to, to Jesus. Just, I have a shield about me that helps me deal with that criticism. It does affect me, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, because all of us battle worth. And so that's why I wrote this book. I'm working through it as I write it. (laughs) There's part of me that just doesn't care because I know the good that comes. And Jesus says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set Mm -hmm. you free. And I think the truth about Jesus is important, but I think also just the truth about our lives. Just being able to say it. Yes, this happened to me. No, I don't need to hide. It's not my fault that those boys molested me. I shouldn't feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are the perpetrators. Yeah. I'm going to stand up and just be okay. Oh, yes. Preach it. Did you hear that? Preach it, <laughs> preach it, preach it. Thank you, Mary. Now, it makes so much sense because I, I got to get into this book. It makes so much sense then that you wrote Worth Living, mm-hmm. right? How God's wild love for you makes you worthy. Mm-hmm. Why now? Why now this book? I mean, over 30. Yeah. Now this book. And I want to get into it. Why did you feel that now you wrote this? And, and you said you're working through this. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about, you know, the why for this. 
A couple of years ago, I had a friend sit me down for lunch, and she said, "I just have this. I think you're believing lies about yourself." And, and this is how long ago? A couple of years ago. Really? Yeah. So it's not like when you were 11, because we no. say that when I was younger. Yes, so but... long ago in ancient <laughs> so, history. Yes, so yes. only a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I... So she sat me down, and she said, she gave me these three by five cards, and she said, "I want you to write the lies that you're believing about yourself, and then I want you to pray." And ask God to give you the scriptures that combat the lies and put it on the other side. And so that was kind of the impetus years ago for the thought process of this book. And so this book is very simple. It's 10 lies and 10 truths. And if if you're interested, you can get those 10 lies and 10 truths as little cards that you can print off yourself at marydemuth.com. It's at the very top of the website. Just click on and you can get your free cards. But we go through, it's very simple. It's lies that I've believed about myself. One of them is I am ugly, which is... I think so many women yeah. battle that, and then, Isn't but of course, the truth is, I'm beautiful. But you are beautiful. It's even hard to say, you know. Like, oh. You are beautiful. You are beautiful. And see, You're I beautiful. Can see it to you too, and, but you'd be like. It's yeah, so I know. Hard. See, isn't that isn't that such a struggle for women that we believe yeah. this? I, I want to say these. These are the truths that replace the lies. And I'm going to just say them because as I read them, I had to be like, like I caught my I breath because like, I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. here I go. So here's what you say in your book. The 10 truths that replace the lies that many of us women and men believe. Yes. You are wildly loved. You are more than a to-do list. <laughs> you are uncaged. You are weakly strong. You are secure. You are beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. You are chosen. You are destined for impact. You are worth more than a paycheck. And you are a redemptive story. Mm -hmm. Even just saying this, I get a little emotional because, you know, I've been a Christian for so long, but still, even saying these truths Mm -hmm. do something in my spirit and my heart because you're like, do I really believe that I am these truths? Or I'm actually believing the lie, the opposite of what Mm -hmm. these are. Mm -hmm. Like, right, you are beautiful. No, I actually feel ugly. You are chosen. No, I always feel like I'm the one in the back who Mm -hmm. is forgotten. You are uncaged. No, I've always felt that I've been bound by things. Like, Mm -hmm. there's just so many things here. This is a powerful book. Like, Mm -hmm. I think every person should have this book. So you write these because here's your friend who says, here are the lies, here are the scripture Mm -hmm. truths. And you say that you've worked through this. Was it some good therapy for you? Or is this something where you, I mean, obviously you're still working through these things. Yeah. But in the encouragement for women and men who read this, what what is your hope, you know, after they read this as they're reading it through? Because you also have discussion, you have questions, and you have prayers yeah. at the end of each chapter. Right. Which is beautiful. My heart is that people take groups through it. Oh, and yeah? that's why okay. I made it as simple as possible. They don't have to buy another book. It's just all right there. And I think we heal best in community. And, you know, the thing that yeah. actually injures us the most is community. But the way, the avenue that God heals us is through community. And so having those kind of questions and interacting with other people... I think also has really helped me. And and even that same lady that walked me through these lies and these truths, recently I had a setback in my career and and I handled it better. And she said, Mary, you have grown so much in your feelings of worth. And it was just Mm. so confirming, but that came through community. It didn't come in a vacuum of me sitting by myself, learning things about Jesus. It was like, no, I'm rubbing shoulders with people and they love me enough to tell me that I'm believing lies. And they love me enough to tell me that they've seen improvement. And that's really helpful. Well, you know what helps is that as an author for you, you actually in every one of these chapters, you have a personal story of the struggle Mm -hmm. and the sort of reconciling of it. It's not like you're standing back and going, here's the 10 truths you need to believe. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you actually are like, you start off each chapter with, here's the real story. I had a breakdown. I have a meltdown. This is what happened. And you're like, oh, and I'm a mess. And let me tell you, this is the lie I believe. Like, that's what I love about you, Mary, because it's like, 
I get you, girl. <laughs> like, I get it. I can relate to you. And then you go, okay, so here is the lie. Mm-hmm. Now here's the truth. Here's the scripture. Here's what God has said about us. So one of the things that I really love, which was a really powerful part, is I am more than a to-do list. I don't mm-hmm. want to give away all the 10 because you need to buy the book and get the book <laughs> so that you can kind of walk through the 10 truths. But this one I love. I am more than a to-do list. So you talk about these 12 things that you have here. I'll say this. And to love ourselves means we must be set free from being our own taskmaster, hmm. who is relentless and takes on many forms and taunts, as, taunts us with if statements that muddy our worth. Body image, performance, control, money, escape, perfection. And so you have so many things like in body image, if I look awesome, then I will engender worth. And perfection, if I do things perfectly, I will have worth. And in performance, if I perform well, either on stage mm-hmm. <clears throat> or by creating a facade and playing a role, then people applaud my worth. I went through these the other night, Mary, and I've circled. I'll be honest. I've circled the ones that I am showing with. See, see in the pink? Yes. Which were body image, performance, mm-hmm. control, money, and escape. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Like, I had to actually sit on this and be like, oh, man. And you talk about that, you know, here we have in ourselves made these things like, if I do this, then I'm worthy. Mm-hmm. But God's like, no, 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 you're worthy because I love you. Right. You know, you're worthy because you're chosen, you're my own, you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. And I had to sit in that again to say, I, I forget that. Mm-hmm. And I live that out where I continually strive and I forget that God loves me, you know, as I am and is wanting me to be better and a better version of myself, but he loves me powerful. And that's, you know, going against right? the culture. Yeah, it is. The, I think we're battling our culture that says you have to look young, you have to, do, you know, be thin, you have to, you know, be at the top of your company, everybody has to be an entrepreneur that's successful, and mm-hmm. you've got to have lots of money, and this is what success is, and you will only be worthy if. And that's why the gospel's so unnerving, because it's the opposite it of that. The the small are big, the weak are strong. It's, it's a paradox, and yeah. Jesus loves us because he made us. He's our, you know, creator. So, you know, just as, you know, those of us who have children, we love our children, even if they're jerks, we love them because <laughs> we were part of that. And yeah. it's just something innate in us. We love them. We just flat out love them. Yeah. Mary, we have just a few minutes and I want to ask you this. As you are writing and at this stage and age of life, as you look back on your life and God's redemptive workings mm-hmm. in and out, what are some of your last thoughts about where you're at now? What your hope is for you? Mm. You know, not, I, I know that sometimes I'm like, what's your hope for other women? But for yourself, what, what's your hope for you? And even maybe some other just last thoughts. I want to hear more from you. Yes. Well, <laughs> I would definitely say I feel like God's releasing me to do more speaking. And so the next thing is just speaking more and more and more. And that yeah. just really mm-hmm. sets me free when I do that. And I just love... I love writing, but I love the immediacy of an audience. Mm-hmm. And so I can say something and then someone can come up to me and I can actually physically pray for them instead yeah. of like cyberly pray for yeah. them. And so there's that immediacy of ministry is this thing that God's kind of compelling me to do. And I feel like I just want to be here to help other people live the most abundant, set free, worthy life that they've ever had. And I'm just tired of the enemy winning in all these areas. Yes. So I'm like, this is oh, we're we're done here. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna say as much as we can about freedom because it's so important. And then I just would say, you know, to those that are listening and watching, is just that you are worth loving and your life is worth living. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the central truth of this book that you, 
so many of us think, oh, I'm not worth loving, and my life isn't worth living, and so many people are battling suicidal thoughts and things like that, and that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy because he knows if he can get you down, either in your mind or even physically, you know, to want to take your life, yeah. uh, that he will wipe out one pinprick of light that is absolutely necessary to spread the kingdom of God. So this is actually an expansion of the kingdom of God message. Your worth actually matters because the more you feel worthy, the more you will go out into the world and give Jesus's love to other people mm. who desperately need it. Yes. Preach it, girlfriend. All right. Every single one of you needs to get this book. I'm going to go <laughs> hold it up like this, okay? Worth living how God's wild love for you. I just got to chill. <laughs> Makes you worthy by marydemuth.com. Yes tons of information on her website go to her website right now there's blogs there's writing you can sign up for all kinds of things mm -hmm. right lots of free stuff and if you need to get her at your next speaking conference or gig because she's an incredible speaker mary a pleasure absolute pleasure to have you on the show thank you you got to so come much. back i want to totally okay i, I feel like i'm canadian i know you so are Canadian. I'm, you're I'm coming back canadian. and thank you for giving us this gift of this book, Worth Living. it I, I have like dog-eared it here, <laughs> I've highlighted it, and this is gonna be on my shelf as a, a great resource and reminder that yes, we're worth living, God loves us, He chose us, and every one of us, there's a second chance, there's God's redemptive plan for us. So thank you for reminding us that of that today. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to Your Story with Melinda, an exclusive presentation of FaithStrongToday.com. Listen to past episodes by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes and join the conversation with Faith Strong Today on Facebook.